0: Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bani Chavda by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power.
1: Uh, I would like for you to turn to in the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 12. And while you're turning there, I want to mention, we just got a text from Pastor Darren Stott. That pastor, one of the sister churches that Bonnie went and led the revival meetings a few weeks ago. And then they have taken a team to the Ukraine, and they're now, they did what they could, and now they're coming out of it. Uh, some of the most heartrending stories of hurt and pain and destruction from the bombing. But right in the middle of it, the church is standing strong to help the people who are hurting, who are fleeing, who have been uh, bombed, and et cetera, et cetera, people, refugees. But we pray for, we want just send a prayer for Darren, Pastor Darren and all his team members that God will give them safety and bring them out safely. And we do, once again, we have prayed in the past, and we keep covering all the precious refugees, we pray God will give peace in Ukraine and in Europe. We thank you, Lord, for hearkening to the prayers, and we give blessing to each and every person who has made a place for the refugees. And Lord, thank you for taking care of the women, the children, those who are fleeing in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we're going to these coming days. I want to say next Sunday we're going to be celebrating and honoring Palm Sunday. So we'll have little palms and we're going to be waving and saying Hosanna. If we cannot pronounce honaza, Hosanna, come to us, we'll give you lessons. Say Hosanna in the highest. And and we're going to welcome the amazing entrance of the Lord Jesus, the triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, and that it goes the next few days into the passion of the Lord Jesus himself. And then the Sunday next, we honor Easter Sunday, the resurrection Sunday. So, but a lot of those events that uh, we are going to honor and celebrate. The key is in this chapter, and uh, so it's a, it's a, it talks about the grace of God. Say grace, grace. as a few other chapters. It is one of the most important chapters in the Word of God. So I'm glad we could get into the scriptures this morning. Say grace, 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 grace. amen. So. We have a, you have a forgiving God and a healing God and a delivering God. It, one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, as I said, provider. He's also Jehovah Roi, the Lord our shepherd. He's also Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. It goes on. Jehovah Saboeth, the captain of the armies of the living God. All the co- covenant names of God are in him. But I refer to that scripture that so in the New Testament also this is Jesus is the Lamb of God it's one of the most significant titles because every family is transformed because the lamb took on himself all our sins and the negative aspects curse shadows in our lives and went to Calvary And it says, scripture says, by his stripes we are healed. And of course, Galatians tells us, as he hung on the Calvary and went through the most excruciating pain and suffering and bruising, that he was taking the curses of all mankind. And so the curse is broken. And I've seen the results, literally, of shadows and tormenting spirits going from people. And years later, I come back, I get a chance to see their lives and they have been transformed because it's Jesus who delivered them, not men, not counseling. And in the last several years, especially last 50, 60 years, we have really promoted them. It's really humanism that if you have counseling, if you have some, maybe it'll do something. But over and over from the early, uh, from mid-60s on there were several organizations uh, that we have a revival of the Holy Spirit and we found like uh, several organizations that would minister to young people who who, even then in the 60s onwards there was a lot of drugs that affected society here in our nation and lives were transformed and people delivered and many of them uh, were called to the ministry. So I've been around some of those pastors who were so, I mean, they were really, really hurting, but completely addicted, and then the power of God came. So it was the grace. They did not deserve it, but the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ came. But here is a picture in Exodus Exodus 12. Uh, In type; it shows God's, Plan to save you and I, to save the whole of mankind. And uh, so the story goes, and in fact, here is where um, in Egypt, this is a story that takes place. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months, it shall be the first month of the year to you. Are you there? You see that word? Okay. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. And it goes on. So we see this is, I mean, it is, the suffering of the Hebrew people is coming to a culmination. They have suffered almost for 400 years from all the yokes, the hurts, the pains of slavery, of whipping. And uh, Moses comes. He has, he was born a Hebrew slave. Then he's adopted into the Pharaoh's house by Pharaoh's daughter. He's adopted and so he grows up in the house of Pharaoh and he's really called a prince of Egypt. That was one of the titles of the movies many years ago. Steven Spielberg um, helped make a movie that was an animated movie called The Prince of Edom. That's Moses. And he he tries to, at first, first, often we try to do things not because God directs, but you have good intentions. Good intentions only go so far. Uh, and so he sees an Egyptian overlord, soldier, whatever, oppressing and hurting Hebrew people. And he just goes, gets mad, and he kills the Egyptian. And he's judged for that. And he is exiled from Egypt. And he's exiled for 40 years. And then he returns. And he meets the Lord, the burning bush experience. And the Lord gives him instruction. God, my people are suffering. And you will have the word of salvation, of redemption for my people. That's where Moses cries out to Pharaoh, let my people go. And uh, then the Lord, this is, the start of this was Jacob during the time of famine. He hears from the Lord and he takes he and his big family to Egypt to escape the yokes, the hurts of famine. And these are important issues right now because uh, a lot of the multiple, I mean millions of people right now, especially the refugees from the Ukraine. Part of it was that if you hear the testimonies of some of these people, they have gone for weeks without even, some of them have tried to melt the snow, that is snowed, to drink water. And there was a testimony we read uh, a few days ago of a lady with about seven people hiding in the basement from all the bombing for several days, and the only thing they had was a liter of water and two packages of cookies. And, I mean, amazing miracle testimony. They said they lived off those cookies for several days, and they seemed to multiply. That There was no natural answer how those two packages could last them for several days, seven people, and they were quite satisfied. So, the, the pharaoh at that time of Egypt, the most powerful nation on earth, has favor for Joseph and his children, and jo- I mean Jacob uh, and his family, and then Joseph comes along, and uh, he becomes the prime minister of Egypt, very powerful, it's, it's very successful, etc. But the years pass. And then a pharaoh comes who is not favorable to the Hebrew people and they find themselves slaves and this goes on for many decades of suffering and slavery. So that's when Moses is able to come. And do you have that little bitty video I have? I just wanted to show and uh, this is from the movie The Ten Commandments. Some of you, how many of you I watched it with Charlton Heston. So I used to say, when I go to heaven, and they introduce me to Moses, and he's a short, fat individual, uh, I'm going to be somewhat disappointed. I'm going to say, you're not Moses. Charlton Heston is Moses. But (laughs) anyway, I don't... I repent for any negative statement there. But here is just a folk movie, but it's it's quite nicely done. Here's an example. Look! Look! There, where he struck the river, he he bleeds. The water turns to blood. It spreads. It is blood. That you may know the power of the Lord. For seven days Egypt will thirst. Seven days without
0: water will fill every jug and jar. Customs will be everywhere. Or seven times seven days. No magician's trick will set your people free. Sacred water, make pure the flood from which you came.
1: Thank you. I just want to give you an idea. Uh, they did a great job. Uh, really respecting scripture, and so this is part of the scenario that it happens for true. Uh, that he, Moses brings the word. It's in you know those some of the chapters before Exodus twelve that he tells well, Pharaoh, "Let my people go." And Pharaoh is very reluctant because a lot of the labor and Agriculture, etc., is being done by the Hebrew slaves, multiple thousands of them, and uh, the so the Lord makes tries to make a point to Pharaoh: you better let the slaves free them right now. And but Pharaoh is very very stubborn, and doesn't get the point. And so God sends nine plus one. There are ten plagues that God sends to Egypt and uh, there are if you go through that and that as you see here there was the, the water turns to blood. Basically it kills all the fish in the Nile River. They are starving, many of them. For seven days, all the waters are turned to blood. They're just one of the examples. So um, you find, some of you may have seen, uh, I I watch movies from time to time. Uh, Maybe one day I'll give you a report of a Hallmark movie. I'm reluctant to do that. I'm just kidding. But uh, they do communicate really well. And you may have seen a movie, somewhat silly movie, but called The Gods of Egypt. It came out last year, I believe. But it gives you an idea that in that culture, this was very real, uh, about 4,000 years ago, but Egypt was the most powerful of the civilized nation, most powerful economy, most powerful army, and uh, to oppose them was going to be an almost impossible task to oppose Egypt. And then they worshipped. That's why I pointed to that. Uh, if you have time, check out the movie Ten Commandments, just in celebration of the type. Of events that happen that are typify the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But these are the ten plagues of Egypt. First was water turns to blood. Second plague was frogs. So the frogs, not just four, ten, twenty. There are thousands of frogs in your house. Every room, every door you open, there was frogs. Several hundred saying, hello. Um, so you had, I mean, all kinds of, you had frog omelets, frog etouffee, frog soup, fried frogs. Frog legs, I eaten And they're good. (laughs) But you had your fill of frogs. And then they die. Uh. Uh. And then they stink. And so the whole Uh. of Egypt is stinking of dead frogs. That's two. Number three. Have you ever been... Oh, your house when you were little, there were lice, and you had lice. We, in Africa, where I was raised up, we would have lice from time to time.
0: Your home in Charlotte, North Carolina, had lice once. <laughs> that
1: was the it reason was for years that. Years and
0: years ago, both of our daughters and myself, we all had long, long hair, and we had spent a family vacation for a few days down at the beach in a rental house, a nice rental house. But the girls and I came home from that house with lice in our hair. And if you've never experienced it, you don't want to. The itching, the, it, it's horrendous. It's really horrendous. And one of the things that I want to mention is you you said the gods of Egypt, but you didn't particularly connect, that many of these things actually were the symbols of various gods, demon. Yeah, powers going that the Egyptians that. worshipped that they credited with giving the Egyptian people their life, their sustenance, their victory in war, and all of those things. So this was really the way of the Lord going to war against those gods.
1: Exactly. That these each of these plagues was against one particular or a group of... There were several... They were idolaters, the Egyptians... And they had, for example, the first miracle was against Amun-Ra, the hidden one. The second miracle was against Mut, the mother goddess who used to wear crowns. And uh, this was, goes on, Osiris was the other god. King of the living. Then was Anubis. The divine embalmer. Embalming was very important for them. Yeah. And Ra.
0: So really that would speak to their science more than how we think of embalming. Yeah. And and Egypt at that time, and for a lot of years, was like the Mecca of science. And I just will throw this in. I was listening to A roundtable of commentators talking about the current uh, conflict in Ukraine with Russia and wider than that the terrible conflict that's been going on in Yemen for years between the Saudis and Iran in Yemen where over 400,000 people have died mostly of famine and that sort of thing over these years but It was so interesting because that whole round table of uh, counselors and learned men and women internationally talking about this, they came to the conclusion that science would ultimately heal the world and bring the nations together. And I said, oh my goodness, once again, they have missed the mark entirely because we know that literally... There is one way to make peace, and miraculously, cosmically, it occurred through the blood that was shed where human beings are able to enter into covenant with God himself and find peace with God within themselves, peace with one another, but that there there is no other way except through the blood, and it's, it's... you know, the the continual declaration of Scripture that there is peace through the blood, through the blood of Jesus. And that's quite the opposite of humanistic thinking and ideologies where blood is shed. It creates more violence, interestingly enough, and terribly enough. So Only the blood
1: of Jesus is the answer. You find, for example, in Exodus chapter uh, 8, verses 1 through 4, here you read, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your home, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. So even when you are making bread, frogs will be in there. And the frogs shall come up on you and your people and all your servants. Then it goes on in verse 16. (laughs) So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the land the dust of the land so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth and it became lice on men and beasts. All the dust of the land became the lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And God was saying basically to all the gods of Egypt Egypt you are useless idols the God of Abraham is the true God Yahweh Jesus Christ himself is the God above all gods and every knee bows and every tongue confesses so these are examples this is uh, one of the first Passover's that I really felt like looking more in detail at what each of these plagues meant, and so it wasn't just showing, of course, the magnificence that so all this is answered through the Lamb of God. The Lamb is the answer, but there are all these other gods were idols, and uh, you find in in the movie "The Prince of Egypt." These were all in, because they were biblical. I was interested, and the when Moses comes, uh, he God shows it. I mean, that is going to be a supernatural challenge. So Moses throws his rod, and Pharaoh says, "This is nothing." He tells all his sorcerers to throw their rods, and they turn into serpents like the rod of Moses. But the serpent that came from Moses' rod turns around and turns on. The, all the sorcerer serpents and eat them all. <laughs> and it's beginning of these events that come that's qu- quite uh, the lice for example, by the way, is against this g- god called Set. And then there is a fly plague, plague so that your all your houses, everything is filled with zillions of flies. Just think how annoying a few flies are in your house. Now just think of millions of the flies plaguing you. there. When you open your mouth, they get in. A few hundred get yeah. in your mouth. And this, <laughs> the Lord is bringing this. You know, people can be stubborn. And the Lord was making it a point saying, I am God and there's no one else.
0: And... You know, I'm, as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking of sort of projecting myself back into that time frame as someone who lived in Egypt and that maybe in my regular life. These various idols with these symbolisms would have been venerated, things that I looked to for life and that I honored and, you know, had that reverence towards as though they had power for good towards me or, um, you know, for uh, furthering any prayers that I might pray even against my enemies or whatever, and now to be overrun by living uh, things that those th- that were the symbols of those gods, and have them show the impact of really what those gods were doing in my life. So there, I mean, this was a massive PR campaign, if you will, where where God was, you know, using the very uh, symbols, the very things that they had venerated, to show them those things were actually horrors and bringing destruction on their lives. It's powerful.
1: Amen. And then it goes on.
0: It doesn't stop.
1: There are just, I don't know, it does some similarities here. When I don't know what is the real truth, there are all kinds of truths coming out of Ukraine and the Russians and doing this and the Ukrainian army doing that. And uh, so, but here, they're like the f- flies are coming, zillions of them. But they don't come into the area of Goshen where the, where the Hebrew people are. It's like, stay out. The angels are there; They'll burn you. Um, then the fifth plague is the livestock dies. And so they were dependent on food.
0: Yeah, and not only food, but obviously livestock was a symbol of their economy. So the economy crashed.
1: Yeah. The sixth plague, (laughs) you haven't got this, you haven't seen anything yet. Then the sixth plague is boils. The boils come upon everybody. I mean, if you're, we are pretty much, in our society, are pretty free from that. But it really is like an infection. In many countries I've seen that when the boil, it's horrible, horrendous. That can come on your face, all over your body. And so God strikes Egypt with boils. And uh, so all the gods that were for health, good health in Egypt that they worship, they had to bow to the name of Jesus. And it's basically Horus, God of vengeance. The fifth plague, the, the livestock was against Ra the god of sun and radiance. The sixth plague boils against uh, Horus, god of vengeance. Then there is a plague of uh, hail. And, uh, And the hail would come and where it would hit that hail would turn to fire. So there would be fire on the ground. And uh, the eighth plague, uh, the eighth was a plague of the harvest was destroyed uh, that year because of the locust plague, sorry, the locust came. And uh, so I've seen some swarms in Kenya in some of the areas that have come, but mainly there have come, the plagues come on Ethiopia. There would be a lot of locusts, multiple thousands, come and eat up the harvest. And so the locusts came, eat up the harvest in Egypt at that time. And the ninth plague was darkness. Darkness, several days over Egypt. But in Goshen, there was light, and uh, the this was against the God uh, Sekhmet war God of war and healing. and uh, then comes the tenth plague. So here these are finally Pharaoh is going to allow them to go free and we Look at the scripture. It will go on. Here in uh, and he, and the household is too small for the lamb. Let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. Your lamb shall be, shall be without blemish. Say, without blemish. Without blemish. And that's one of the... Th- there's a prophetic picture of the Messiah who is to come. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And one of the points that the scripture makes that he was without blemish. He was sinless. And so this is a type. But here they are living a type. But it's not like, oh, look, we are doing something symbolic. It was real. And uh, so historians, scholars, let us know that this is real. This stuff all happened. This is not some artificial history. Uh, The true events. And... Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, the lamb. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood of that lamb and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it at all with water, but roast it in fire. Here are the specific instructions God is giving Moses. This is how you are to do. Take the lamb, sacrifice it, slaughter it, take the blood, put it on the doorposts and lintels, because that blood if you stay under that blood, it's going to protect you from the last plague that God's going to release. And so it's not only just the shedding of the blood, but the instruction is you stay under the blood. You stay in that house where the blood is and don't go out uh, because the plague will is going to come. And it is, applies for us today that people are haphazard uh, And oh yeah, well, yeah, you, I'll, I'll get, do that. I'll go to do this, I'll take communion sometime, and yeah, I, I think God, Jesus does it. But be careless. It is important for us, not only have the covering of the blood of Jesus, but stay under that covering. And people who just say, okay, been there, done, that got the T-shirt. It is wise for us to take the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus with great honor and respect and walk the truths out.
0: We remember when Jesus was sharing the Passover meal, the covenant meal, the, the same remembrance, living remembrance that the children of Israel were commanded to keep every single year. So at least once a year, not just as individuals, but as the whole nation, everything would stop, and God would have them all glance back and remember this great event and recognize what it meant for their present situation and into the future. And it's pretty astounding that still today, down through the ages and now in a couple of weeks, All around the world, Jewish people will be holding this feast. They will be commemorating this feast. And when Jesus said around the table, this is my body, this is my blood, take, eat it, drink it, this is the new covenant that I am entering into with you is the fulfillment of what God had spoken through Jeremiah. So many thousands of years before about a new covenant that would come that would be better, different than the old one because instead of having those laws as something that you had to see on tablets of stone or even written in the Torah and memorized, that by the work of the Holy Spirit in that exchange, that those very things would actually be planted in a living way inside of every person that cut this covenant with God, that came to God with this covenant. And as uh, the Lord said through Jeremiah, I will write my laws in their hearts and on their minds. And it says there that, They won't even have to say to one another, do you know the Lord, for they would all know me from the least to the greatest. And you think about what's happening right now with the revival, uh, with the school where Diana's working, for instance. There is something that is an invisible, powerful Passover work that is occurring in that school with those children and it's being manifest in in the signs that you're seeing uh, around you. So this event of the living element of the sacrifice of Jesus is something that is still very real in the earth. The Holy Spirit is still being poured out and uh, one of the things that that I was thinking about as as you were sharing, Mahesh, is how this thing of the lamb shows up in God's interaction with human beings and his is redemptive narrative at the very beginning. Because if you remember, that's what Abel brought to the Lord. In the very, very beginning, the very first family, the first priestly family. And Abel brings this lamb as a sacrifice. And it's indicative that there is an exchange that is being made, life for life, innocence for guilt, and then the cleansing that comes through the blood. But you see then God picks this theme up. In the event of the Passover, and he reminds Israel and they have to bring the families would have to bring this little lamb into their house and keep it in their house for several days, inspect it, make sure there was no imperfections in it. And it became like a member of the family. And then they would have to slay this lamb and, you know, paint their houses with its blood as an ongoing testimony Of that deliverance that was occurring through this work, but all of it was the symbolism looking forward to the Lamb of God, the Son of God. And this morning I was thinking about how, in you know, from the very first book in Genesis with Abel's sacrifice to the very last book in John's revelation where God suddenly takes John into the real spirit realm and he shows him current events on the earth and future events in the earth and the enemies of God and the people of God and all the powers and dynamics that are involved in all of those things, including wars and pestilence and famine. And John is seeing all of this, but at the very center, presiding over all of these events is a lamb, the lamb. And ultimately, at the end of the age, once again, we'll see that the destination of every person and every nation is to that lamb who ultimately is there in the midst of the holy city, the eternal city. So,
1: and and the, that's the thing that as these plagues were happening, the news of this spread all over It wasn't just Egypt there were other nations that were rulers kings etc they heard this is happening so it was not just restricted to Egypt others heard and they feared in a sense they had respect that above all of the gods of Egypt the God of Israel Yahweh is God and every knee bows so on the last plague, the last plague is the death of the firstborn. And uh, find that it is against the God Geb, the God called God of the earth. And that was the, la- the last plague, was the death of the firstborn. Everyone in Egypt, whoever did not have the blood of the lamb. So it did not matter you could be Hebrew and say no i don't believe all of that well you better put the blood of the lamb and stay inside that house because the judgment of god went over all through egypt and he judged the firstborn of all egypt and they died so this was getting serious you find in scripture in the new testament then in first corinthians chapter 5 it says therefore verse in in chapter chapter 5 verse 7 therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened for indeed christ our passover was sacrificed for us i want to underline that word that here in the new testament the true passover is jesus christ and the passover jesus christ has been sacrificed therefore Exercise faith in him and receive the blessing of Passover. And what happened as they honored this, then Pharaoh released them all. They were able to escape, not just for a few days, but entirely they left Egypt. They were delivered from the oppression of the gods of Egypt. Though every shadow of the curses that had come over them from boils to field uh, lies to whatever, that they are delivered. They are able to march out of Egypt and all the other nations of the earth respected, had a respect for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the judgment came on everyone, not covered by the blood. And here you find in Exodus 12, it's important that God is giving specific instructions this is what you have to do. Take the lamb. Keep it. For on this particular day, sacrifice, slaughter the lamb, take the blood, put it on the doorpost and, it, and eat the flesh of the lamb. Don't boil it. Roast it. So these things all, you would say, ah, doesn't matter. For God is saying, this is what I instructed you. So be respectful and if if you cannot afford it, so God was very caring and compassionate. Say so if you can't afford it, have your neighbor share. You guys can share, and the blood and the flesh, etc. And the Bible says in Isaiah fifty-five: Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Because it's it's for free, so it's not like oh well they couldn't afford to buy a lamb. It, it was like okay, you sh- neighbor neighbor, you can share. But what here Passover lets us underline is and and really walk in the truth of it that everyone has to exercise faith and. When your children come to maturity, they also need to exercise for lamb, the lamb without blemish. And this is Jesus who eventually comes about 2,000 years later. And uh, <clears throat> it says in Second Corinthians 5:21, "For our sake, he was made sin, who knew no sin." So, this is the perfect lamb. That's why we glorify Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the blood on the doorposts it represents the blood on our hearts in this generation, and I mean in this era. And then the Lord tells them once you have this, and the plague passes, of the last plague that get ready and you are marching out of Israel free from oppression, free from slavery, free from curses. And as they came out, they, were, they came out with silver and gold, it says in Scripture. And there was not one feeble in their midst. So they were all walking in healing. 400 years of slavery does take an effect. And so there would be many handicapped, many hurting, many on dialysis, many having heart disease. Just think, approximately two million people. The scholars think that's how many who marched out of Egypt.
0: If you... Think of the images that we're seeing every single day right now of the hundreds of thousands of people fleeing from the war zones in Ukraine with nothing, coming literally out of that nation with nothing. But if you can imagine that in this event that those hundreds of thousands were actually leaving where they had been completely poverty-stricken and in want of everything and they were coming out of Egypt with all kinds of wealth and jewels and things that the Egyptians loaded on them as as they were exiting so i mean it's a it's a you know it's a it's a reverse picture of what we're seeing today of what this this event was and you know Uh, Pastor Mahesh, this year, you hear a lot of people talking about the nations being at an inflection point, meaning there's something unusual happening where many things are coming together to change the trajectory of history. But one of the uh, dynamics, one of the things that's happening this year uniquely is the fact that Passover, Easter, and of all things Ramadan are all happening Literally at the same time. And to think about the millions of people on the earth with a particular faith focus that will be uh, celebrating, remembering, worshiping various, you know, in various ways at the particular time, but specifically whose faith is rooted in the Abraham of the Bible, that it, it's something unusual. And I think that one of the things that we can do, and in fact, I would like for us to do today, is a simple prayerful declaration towards this time that God would visit us, that he would visit the earth in this season as Jews around the world celebrate Passover, Passover, as Christians around the world celebrate Easter, and as Muslims around the world celebrate Ramadan, that God in his mercy would hear our prayer and create an inflection point for the history of the earth to turn again to the living God. Yeah.
1: And again, there are some certain certain dynamics that are important for us to remember here. That came out, say came out, they came out of Egypt and started the journey towards the promised land. And in the same way when we come to Jesus Christ we repent of our sins and turn our backs on all past shadowy things. I remember for me when I was a young believer when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit I saw this is all real and God transformed my life. But one of the things was I had a Whole bunch of, in the graduate school, I had a great number of friends They were all intellectuals, and many of them were anti-war demonstrators, that all that, but they were not believers, and I was the Lord put a desire in my. I could not, on a day-to-day friendship fellowship, they were not my family in a sense. Believers. I was in the family of God, and I had to have, to, you must choose the right friends and make a break. Sometimes people continue their very fleshly way of acting, even though they have been saved. And so there are certain things, that I mean, we, you can witness, you can pray, you can be gracious, but you cannot do the same things that you used to do There is a change. You belong to the Lord. And uh, the other point is the Lord here in Exodus points out, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It does not say when I see you. So remember, it's the blood that's the key. When I see the blood, you can experience. This is where the word Passover comes the judgment is going to come on the firstborn. And all of Egypt, when the firstborn dies, but the blood covers all the believers. This is the Lord's Passover. And then you see uh, in Revelations 5, one of the inspiring scriptures for me. And so I, It says in Revelations 5, 4, So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open And read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense. This is a scenario of heaven, which are the prayers of the saints. They sang his new song, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. They have made us kings and priests to our God. We shall reign on the earth. So the blood has made you and changes your very identity out of every tribe, tongue and people and nation. You have been given a New identity because of the Passover lamb. Now he has made you kings and priests to our God. That's
0: awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. Hallelujah. And so as kings who rule and reign righteously and as priests who stand in the gap on behalf of the people, who represent the Lord to the people and represent the people to the Lord, let's stand up together and make a priestly, prayerful declaration. Very short. Literally being made up on the spot. So I'm just thinking about some of the things that we've heard. Let's say this. We're leaving Egypt. Egypt and all its gods, and all its ways, and all its afflictions behind, taking no baggage with us. We're entering fully into our inheritance, a good land, a fat land, from conquered slave to conquering warrior. From empty handed to inheritor of all things. From not a people to the people of God. All he wants is my yes, and Jesus does the rest. And so we declare into the atmosphere. Over our earth, our city, our family, our nation, the nations. Thus saith the Lord, through the blood of Jesus, let my people go. Amen. You're seeing a... a, Thank you, Ed. This is a banner, and at the top of it, in Hebrew... Made by Bonnie? Yes, made by by me when I was essentially nine months pregnant with Sarah Chavda. Um, But it says in Hebrew, across the top of that banner, let my people go. And that man in tan is the good-looking evangelist himself, and the gentleman in the beautiful little bolo hat is Derek Prince. And they were marching with that banner at a time when Jewish people were not allowed to immigrate out of Russia into uh, Israel. And we were part of a movement of raising money and appealing to national leaders and creating a movement to let the Jewish people come out of Russia and immigrate back to Israel. And we actually got to be in Tel Aviv when some of the first plane loads came down of these ancient people, some of them Holocaust survivors, uh, that were, were getting to Fulfill and, and witness and handle with their own hands the thing that they had prayed every year at Passover next year in Jerusalem. And so it continues. This Passover feast and as we you know come into the Passover season, we also recognize that's why we take communion every time we get together. Because it literally is for us an entering in again to this covenant with God and with one another where there are better things that are being spoken for us through the blood.
1: Amen. And remember what the scripture in Psalm 107. Say, I'm debt free. I'm I'm coming up up with silver and gold. gold. I'm healed. healed. Blessed. Blessed. Delivered. Through the blood of Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Passover. Passover. Amen. Give him a big clap. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
0: Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.